Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shanks Show. Hour number two of our broadcast. Welcome back. I'm Bill Shanks with Russell Brown. Later in this hour, Brent Beard talks college football and then your phone calls. Thank you very much for joining us here on this Monday. Let's talk Georgia Football, basketball, baseball with our man Jeff Dantzler of the Georgia Bulldogs Radio Network. Are you doing the show tonight? I am. In fact, uh, just over here at the Coliseum right now, putting the finishing touches on some things. So uh, it is that time of year, Bills. We've talked a lot. we got 13 different Georgia sports teams competing. It's Jeez. the same around the SEC, but you got baseball, softball, gymnastics, both basketballs, both swimmings, both track and fields, both golfs, and both tennis. Wow. How's swimming going without our man Jack Byerly? I mean, it, it should have been a seamless transition since they kind of handed it off to the assistants, right? Absolutely. They were both great swimmers here, Stephanie Williams, Marino, and Neil Versfeld. They're doing an excellent job. And, and I mean, you know, Jack got the job in 1979 <laughs> so yeah he coached in six different decades uh, just, just kind of talking about it especially with with jack of course with manny diaz who became the head coach here in 1989 um jeff wallace became the women's tennis coach in 86 uh, coach hack who's been our golf coach since 98 he always jokes, you know, we go around the country, and he said some of his coaches say, well, well, you must be the senior member there of that athletic staff. He goes, oh, man, I'm just a baby compared to those other guys. <laughs> but, but Coach Wallace is going to get his 800th win this weekend. Wow. And he, he has, between outdoors and indoors, his women's tennis teams have played for a national championship in five different decades. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it's ama- I mean it, just, it just shows you so much about how what an awesome place Athens, Georgia is, and the University of Georgia is, and, and all those guys are Georgia guys, and guess what? Yep. So is our head football coach, who seven weeks ago today led Georgia to a 65-7 victory in the national title game for a second straight national championship. And this is brought to you by Jeff Dandler at Jeff Dandler <laughs> TV, who will say that every week with pride for sure. And I saw Coach Diaz on uh, – on uh, on Saturday night, he was at the George Sports Hall of Fame. It was good to good to see him, of course, here for Al Parker. Who, man, I and 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 Al Parker was so fun to meet and talk with Jeff real quick before we get to the teams uh, because he he, I mean, you and I know uh, again there are things that I say that me and Jeff and for that matter our our buddy David Johnston we kind of we're in the same age group so we we know all about that. But man, that and and you were close to to Al being uh, since he was in Claxton he was a beast even before he walked on the campus at the University of Georgia yeah Al is one of the all-time greats one of the greatest guys one of the greatest players yeah. one of the greatest student athletes ever and uh, the, the the all victorious valedictorian had a perfect 4-0 GPA <laughs> and Al is as great a guy as there's ever been um, and a couple of stories that you know when I've gotten to introduce him at things like the Circle Honor. And by the way, you do an amazing job as EMC. Everybody loves you oh, at the Hall you. of Fame. But Al, I said he he gave me a good moment of clarity at an early age. Bill, you remember back in the summer of 1985, a young 17 year old German named Boris Becker won Wimbledon. Yep. At that point, I was 12 and was trying to be the number one junior at Forest Heights Country Club in Statesboro. <laughs> and I remember thinking, this is a pretty steep learning curve. And, oh, yeah, there's a guy 
one town over from me who, if I played, I wouldn't be able to get a point off of. <laughs> so, so it was at that point that I realized that I, I was never uh, going to play uh, for Coach McGill or Coach Diaz at Georgia <laughs> or be a Wimbledon champion. But I always joked about it with Al, too. I said Al and I had, had a lot of things in common, you know, loving Georgia, loving tennis. And uh, you know, neither one of us ever made a B at Georgia. So, uh, <laughs> or, I said, you know, or I made one one B, and, and my mom gave me a hundred dollars. So, <laughs> it's, uh, but no, Al is tremendous, and I was so happy for him. But but he he was a national junior champion. He won in the eights, the tens, the twelves, the fourteen. Oh yeah, name it. unbelievable! And, and was just a remarkable player. Yeah, I hate that the back injury his freshman yeah. year caused him to. Did not go on and be a great pro, but it was great to meet him and and uh, and to talk with him a while on Friday and Saturday night. That that was a that was a great pleasure. All right, you, you mentioned golf, and I I want to I want to mention that uh, obviously we had we had some good golf news with Chris Kirk winning, and and such a great story for him to come back after what he's been through. If you don't know, uh, Chris has battled alcohol addiction, depression, really just walked away from the sport a couple years ago, didn't he, Jeff? Yeah, and, and he is a great guy. And all of those guys that have played here at Georgia are great guys, and they love Georgia. And, and Chris has had a fabulous career. Yesterday was his fifth win. Now, now it's his first since 2015, but he is just playing some of the best golf of his career. Um, he lives here in Athens, and oh, wow. like all these guys, it is, like Chris, he he's a huge baseball fan, so he and his son come to baseball games. There was a women's hoops game two weeks ago, and Brendan Todd sitting there on the front row. So all those guys are great guys, and it's tremendous having him around. But, Bill, I thought the approach shot in the playoff, I thought he was going to hold the thing. The, when it started spinning back, I yelled, oh, my God, it's going in, and he just missed it. But it, it was a tremendous win for him, and I was just so happy for Chris because he, he is a great guy and, and a great story. Absolutely, no doubt about it. All right, baseball, the the baseball team 5-2 and two right now after the split on Sunday with Princeton in the, in the doubleheader. But good news with one of the Georgia pitchers, Liam Sullivan, the SEC Pitcher of the Week. That, that's good to see, Jeff. It really is, and we call him the big shamrock and mm-hmm. the big left-hander. He was he was a starting left tackle at Marist when he was a sophomore. Um, but he goes about 6'6", 240, and uh, he threw seven no-hit scoreless innings, uh, faced just two over the minimum, uh, gave up two walks and, and hit a batter, and actually picked a, a runner off. But he was, he was terrific, and rightfully was named the SEC's pitcher of the week, so very happy for him. And and uh, our Friday starter, Jade Woods, also got back to form. He was on a pitch count as well. Uh, he went four and two-thirds. Both of them struck out 11. Uh, Liam threw seven innings on Saturday. So between the two of them, they went 11 and two-thirds scoreless and had 22 Ks. That's pretty strong. Absolutely. that That's great. Well, the, and George will be back in action. And then uh, you, I know you can't wait for this weekend. It's always fun to play tech. And we, we kind of had a little bit of an interruption, right, in, in the format they wanted to have because of COVID. But now we're going to have that three-game series. Should be a lot of fun this weekend. Yeah, it is. And the first game's here in Athens on a personal note that nobody cares about. The only downer with this timing, 
for me, the SEC Women's Hoops Tournament begins on Thursday. Oh, wow. So I, yeah, so I might, you know, it's like, well, I want Georgia to win, but at the same time, I want to call all the tech games. So, <laughs> you know, it's one of those deals that we kind of get pulled in, the, in different directions, but it's fun this time of year. But obviously, it's going to be big for tech. And I like the series being played this time of year. Now, you, you do have a couple of factors that can work against you. Number one, it's the weather. And then number two, you're still competing against basketball. But I think big picture to have Georgian Tech play where you've got your, your top pitchers going at it and it's not a midweek game. And, and also, once you get into league play, like for Tech, their ACC weekend series are bigger. For Georgia, the SEC weekend series are bigger. So you kind of get it out of the way. And as we all know, you go back through history of 1987, 2001, 2004, 2008. If both teams are really good, there's a pretty darn good chance we could see each other again come June in the NCAA tournament. Oh, that would be so much fun. That would be great. Jeff Danzer is our guest at Jeff Danzer TV on Twitter. A couple of football things, and then we'll – We'll let you go. Um, Glenn Schumann is going to stay at Georgia, which he had interviewed with the Eagles. And, boy, I, I thought, man, this, that might be one that that uh, takes him away from Georgia. But he's going to, to stay at Georgia and probably get a good raise. And, and hey, I, I think everybody's loving that, just to keep everything in place from what was there the last couple of years, right? Oh, I, I think so, too. And, and he's kind of been the, this wonder, Ken, uh, an, an excellent young coach. He was an analyst at Alabama, yeah. and, and I just, you know, we all had kind of taken notice that in all the defensive meetings that Coach Saban had, Kirby was in the meetings with him, and so was this, this analyst, Glenn Schumann, and Kirby brought him along with him uh, here, here to Athens, and he became the inside linebacker's coach, and he's obviously got the chops for it. He's done a great job recruiting. I mean, you just look at uh, the, the players that Georgia's put in the NFL from the linebacker position and, and the way that Georgia's recruited and, and to have you know, have Kirby in that top position, and then to have Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann calling the plays for this defense, that's strong right there, Coach, real strong. No doubt, no doubt, it's great. And so Jalen Carter's not going to work out at the Combine, and obviously uh, you know, Bryce Young's not going to work out at the Combine either. He's going to wait till his pro day. I mean, a lot of those guys up top, they're, that's what they're going to do. So I don't think it's going to hurt Jalen Carter any, do you? No, I mean, just, just look at the film, and not only the film. I've got a buddy of mine who's a Dolphins fan, mm-hmm. and they drafted a linebacker from Penn State who had 10 sacks one year. Well, like five of them came against Eastern Michigan. Well, who have Jalen Carter's big plays come against? You know, Alabama, Florida, Auburn, TCU, Ohio State. I mean, the guy has performed at the highest level on the biggest of stages, and he might have been at his absolute best against Tennessee this past November. And I, I can tell you this, when he had gotten hurt with that dirty cut block at Missouri, you know, there was a lot of thinking of why would you even come back? And I'm sure there were people getting in his ear. You're going to be a top ten pick anyway. Well, you know why he came back? Because he's a great kid who wants to win, and he loves his football team and this university, and he was a huge part of, of Georgia winning this national championship. And you could just see, you know, Georgia had a really good defensive line. Obviously, last year's was one of the best in the history of college football. But when he came back, really starting with that Tennessee game, the disruptive force that he is, that took Georgia to an even higher level. So, yeah, I've still got a feeling the Bears are probably going to try and trade out of that top pick but because you've got the two quarterbacks uh, sitting out there that are going to go high and they're, they're not going to draft a quarterback. But if they stay at one, 
I, I think Carter's the pick. And I know a lot of people like Will Anderson, who's really good, don't get me wrong. But I, I've always been that the closer to the ball you get, the more important you are. Yeah. And you just don't see that many defensive tackles or that kind of athleticism like Jalen Carter. So I, I've got a feeling he's going to be the top non-QB taken. Now, again, it, the Bears could trade out of there, and, and somebody might love Young or might love Stroud and take him. So I hope we get the number one pick for a second straight year. Uh, but there's no way you could go wrong with Carter. And by the way, to, to that reporter who was questioning the character issues, I, I loved how that story got out that, that unbeknownst to, to anyone else, he was paying for one of the walk-on defensive linemen's uh, meals all season long out of, out of his own scholarship money. Yeah, I, I look, I don't want to ever say someone makes things up, and I, it's obvious that Todd McShay heard something and he felt compelled to repeat it, but you got to be careful when you're saying something that can tarnish the reputation of someone who has not had anything happen to him that we know of, and that was probably not a smart thing to do. But No, um, and, and that's also one where and, – and, and listen, we, we've all made mistakes on the air, but th- th- that's one, too, where you're not doing your homework. And we all know different people in different towns. I've, I've got buddies in places all over the SEC, yeah. and you know who to call to get the real story. Like, hey, listen, we're not going to go public. You know, how is this guy? Whether you're looking at an assistant coach, whether you're looking at a player, you know, whether you're talking about a, a, a buddy who works for a pro team who's just trying to get intel, you know who to go to to get the straight scoop. And, Bill, as you also know, for those of us living in Athens close to the program, you hear the whispers. Yeah. And you know if somebody – I never heard one bad thing on Jalen Carter. Not one yeah. the whole time. So, And, you know, you, you know th- th- there are whispers if there's stuff going on. Sure. Not a thing. So here, here's hoping we go number one back-to-back. I, I hope so. I really do. I think it was a team trying to get him to fall to him, to be there honest with be. you. You know, hey, it could be. And hey, here's a great thing about the draft: there is so much time between the national championship game and late April. These teams forget about what they saw, and that there's so much positioning and maneuvering. And usually, the the bad teams focus too much on the combine, and they talk themselves out of the right pick. I, I've just always found the draft to be utterly fascinating. Yeah, oh, I can't wait to see the combine this week and to keep. <laughs> Keep all the the information flowing, and just uh, I, I love it. I love the draft as well, Jeff. Great stuff. Thank you. We'll let you run. We'll uh, hear you on the radio tonight, my friend. Thank you, Bill. Always a pleasure, my friend. Appreciate all you do, and uh, again, we love having all of our Georgia games on your your group of super stations. Y'all do a great service for sports fans across the great state of Georgia. All right, Jeff. Thank you so much, Jeff Danzer, our guest, and he'll be on the radio tonight. On making Warner Robins, Pinehurst, and Rochelle and Savannah. Eight o'clock, right, Russ? That's right. Dog talk? Yep. Are you sure? 100%. Okay. <laughs> I should have asked him. I forgot. Because dog talk is also the name of the show before the football games, right? Oh, wait, yeah. You know, it's Bulldogs Live. Oh. Dog talk is the pregame. Okay. Yeah, so they'll talk to the coaches, but then they'll do a little, Okay. you know, what's going on. If you're a Georgia fan, you'll enjoy it. Absolutely. Listen tonight, 8 o'clock, 8 until? 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Okay, there you go. Yes, uh, Adam Schefter reported today the Bears are leaning toward moving the number one overall pick. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody. I, I, I think they'd be stupid if they don't, to be honest with you, with all the hoopla on the quarterbacks, unless something happens at the combine or in these pro days to change the overall thought process of the quarterbacks. 
there's too many teams that seem to have a little bit of a man crush on these guys and not trade out and get you a boatload of picks. Well, I mean, I just, you know, for, from the Chicago perspective, like Jeff was saying, it's a Will Anderson or Jalen Carter deal. Uh, the Cardinals may take Jalen Carter and you may have to go with Will Anderson, but when you're kind of trying to separate those two players on their, on their draft board, when you throw in all the picks that you're going to get along with that player, I mean, it's – I don't, I don't see how you don't trade back because yeah. they're both outstanding players. Well, I'd love for Jalen Carter to go one, but I think the Bears would be absolutely nuts not to trade down, whether it's two or four or whatever. I just think it would be crazy not to trade down. So, uh, Adam Schefter reporting that. He's also the one that reported about the fact that Jalen Carter will not be working out until his pro day. He will be doing interviews at the Combine, which is fine, but – those guys like Bryce Young, they're just they're going to be careful about that kind of stuff. Combine starts on Thursday with the defensive linemen and the linebackers. And then the DBs on Friday. Saturday, it's the quarterbacks, receivers, and tight ends. So if you need anything to do this weekend, sit back, watch a little football, watch guys run 40-yard dashes and throw and catch the ball, which will be kind of interesting. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with uh, all the Georgia players who can make a big impression at the Combine. I saw something a little bit earlier in the afternoon, an article about the fact that Kalei Ringo, of course, can help himself. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And a lot of Georgia players could really help themselves. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. And, uh, again, in Savannah, in Macon, in Warner Robins, Pinehurst, Rochelle, you guys can listen to Bulldogs Live tonight at 8 o'clock right here on the Superstations. We'll take a break, come back, and talk college football next with Brent Beard from First Coast News right after this. Back on our program, thank you very much for being with us. 422 from Twitter, Brandon on Twitter. My Lord, I've heard this Jalen paid for a walk – Walking meals 10 times, going above and beyond to make him look good. It's a nice gesture, but it's not like he was pulling money out of his pocket. That's exactly what he was doing. You moron. You know, sometimes people on social media are about as smart as fish bait. I would, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, it's like. That's exactly. No, that's out of his pocket. That's like taking your wallet out of your pocket and saying, here. This is my money. I'm going to take it out of my pocket and give it to you. Yeah. Like if I told you today, hey, Bill, I paid for Chris's lunch, then you would assume that meant like th- th- that out doesn't of your mean pocket. somebody else did it. Right. <laughs> Man, it's okay to say dumb things on Twitter, but whatever. All right. Let's, uh, by the way, that's a tech fan. Let's talk uh, a little college football with uh, Brent Beard. First Coast News. Hello, Brent Beard. How are you? Well, I'm uh, getting excited because we uh, Auburn starts spring practice today. Oh, wow. Vanderbilt starts tomorrow. And Florida and Miami begin on March the 4th. So, Bill, we are... Around the corner, March the 6th, for Clemson and Florida State. Mississippi State starts on March the 7th. So, basically, you've got 
probably you mentioned Georgia Tech. They start March the thirteenth. Good day. Uh, but but I mean almost a uh, a different school, not necessarily every day, but close to it. I, I, I want to make this observation right now. I'm talking to Russ for a minute. Brent, hang on, hang on for a minute because I'm going to talk about you in a lovingly way because you know I love you like a brother, a much older brother. You and your brother, Brett. If the Beard Boys did play by play for a baseball game, we'd miss three innings. <laughs> they talk slow, and yet the game goes so fast. And see, Brent, Brent, I don't know if you you probably weren't listening to the show, but I I, I was the old man on the on the porch saying, "Get off my lawn!" Earlier. Mm-hmm. Have you seen these baseball games? Have you seen what's going on with baseball? I have heard, correct me here, but I, I've heard that you could take a long winter's nap and uh, and get up and you wouldn't miss anything. It's over. Oh yeah, it's over. I mean, they they got they got reservations at the best restaurants. <laughs> they're they're gone. But if if you and your brother did blah blah play, we missed about three or four innings. I mean, it goes too fast. I mean, it's going so fast, you blink and it's over. I mean, these guys who played at one o'clock, they're already they're already on the back nine right now. Well, but Bill, I, I, you know, in theory, is that what they're is is that what they're trying to do with college football? Well, it's uh, a good question. As far as um, we're going to change the rules, and because of that, we will. Uh, take away uh, now they're not going to take away an hour uh, but they think they want to be able to I think cut it down what Bill 10-15 minutes at least or something like that but probably not on the major league level yet but why uh, what, where's everybody got to go I, I, I don't know Bill what's the if rush if, Bill if you're the game and I give Brett credit for this and, he, and he's right Aren't you investing, what, six to eight hours to be at a game anyway? Yeah. Uh, is, uh, Bill, is 10 minutes going to make any difference? Unbelievable. It's all these damn millennials, Brent. Brent. You know, it's we we got to have cater. And the, we're t- doing this for millennials. They can't get their daggum head out of their phone anyway. So why are we no. accommodating no. life for them? Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I, no. do I sound like David Lamb all of a sudden? No. <laughs> no, I, I, just, I think that I think that's realistic, and, and uh, I tell you what, the uh, um, I, I don't think they're as bad as NASCAR in making changes. I don't know but, now, but but, it, but at some point, Bill, at some point, if you're a college football and particularly Major League Baseball, do you begin to hurt your product? Well, they think they're helping their product. I just want I want to go to a game and be a fan and start screaming at the pitcher when he steps off the rubber. Yeah. Get back on the rubber. Go, mm-hmm. Hurry up. Hurry up. You know, if they get out of the box, look up at the pitcher. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I've got a bad attitude about it today. Uh, you know, the Braves they had a they had a bases loaded the other day. You know, I, I'm I'm the only one in the world to get pissed off about losing a spring training game on February 26th. <laughs> I need I need help. I'm the one yeah. that needs help. Yeah. All right, so uh, ACC, we got some stuff going on in the ACC right now, and and some of the teams are asking questions about whether or not they can get out of their their grant of rights. What do you think about yes. this? What's going on yeah. with this? I think this is very important. It is. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And what Bill's talking about, particularly with Florida State, is where this came up. Florida State had a 
a board meeting a few days ago, and it was pretty well laid out in front of them uh, that uh, they're in the they're in the uh, grant of rights uh, with the media situation until 2036. Uh, I mean, my Lord, Bill, who in the world would have signed on for that if it would have been that long? Uh, Why and, did and they? Why did they do that? They, they, well, I, I think, uh, I think some of this was that they probably overreacted to this. See, they did this grant of rights years ago when they thought that some of the teams, like the main ones, such as Clemson, Florida State, Miami, would be poached. So what can we do to keep them here? And not only do you have the grand rise through 2036, the exit fee is $120 million. Well, but see, the thing that really makes them upset uh, right now is uh, that in their new deals, uh, okay, the SEC is soon going to be making – Eight hundred eleven million per year with the the new deal, ESPN, ABC, the Big Ten is like, <laughs> it's staggering, one point one billion bill, and the ACC is like two hundred forty million. So uh, don't don't take long to do the math there, to see that they want some changes uh, with the money that they're getting. How can they do that, particularly when they are tied up with this? And, uh, I mean, Bill, I've been told by, uh, certainly by, by FSU Media, that they would crawl to come to the SEC. Uh, and if they could ever, if these teams could ever find a loophole uh, out of that grant of rights, they would certainly be pursuing moving elsewhere. All right, but let's talk about this for a moment. So it would be $120 million to get out of that, right? Yes, yes. All right, so would, does that mean that if they said the heck with this, we're going to do it? They have to write a check for $120 million to the ACC when they do it immediately. Is that right? Yeah, yes. Okay, yes. so then the question is, do they, like over four years, say, well, we're, would that be 30 if we – I mean, they got to have the money to write the check. Yes. Is, so is that the biggest problem of all? Because I think they are seemingly trying to, to weigh whether the $30 million per year over four years – could be compensated by going to another conference and basically made up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they would make the money up. The problem is them being bound, and I know Ross Dellinger mentioned this too, uh, the, the $120 million is one thing, but them being bound by this grant of right that they all signed, you remember, Bill, uh, through 2036, which obviously this is 2023, so... My stars. Uh, I mean, that's still 13 years from now, uh, and, uh, and look, they'll get more money, obviously, from uh, the expanded playoffs, but from what I just read you a minute ago, uh, uh, Bill, if you're in that league and you're hearing what the, AC, the, the, the Big Ten and the SEC are getting, and you're basically getting that amount of money, uh, boy, that can't sit well, can it? No. I, I think, and it, it. So, who else besides FSU is really chiping up and getting verbal about this? Oh, I know. Because I mean, the, the FSU guy is pretty much saying we want out. I mean, I don't oh, yeah. know how you can take that any other right. way. Do you? Yes. 
No, 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 no. That it, it, I don't know if that's even reading between the lines, is it, Bill? No. <laughs> I think I mean, that's he, he's, he's been pretty clear about it, and it's like, but, 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 Brent, if you're Greg Sankey, let's say, and there's no doubt. I mean, we don't have to put two and two together. If FSU wants out of the ACC and they can figure out a way, you know where they want to go. Of course. So, Absolutely. can Sankey do anything? I, I, I don't know. That's a really good question. I mean, is there anything they could do by, uh, behind closed doors? And I don't mean to, to be, uh, uh, you know, like a spy show here or something like that. I, I, I think it's one of those things to where uh, that if, if Sankey was asked about that, he would probably say, well, it's not up to us. Uh, they need to be able to find a way to get out of it or, or, or to wait until it's over before they make a move. Uh, but they would certainly – look, you and I both know – because uh, the Big Ten's not going to set on on the number of teams they've got now, and the SEC is not either. I mean, they're, they're welcome in Texas and OU, uh, but Bill. So you don't think they would be done with the right combination of schools to go to twenty, for example? Uh, maybe, maybe, but, but uh, now, now look, it, it, as we've talked before, I mean, if you've got a school like what Notre Dame that wants to come in. Uh, it it may be quiet for a while, but these guys are looking, and they're pretty smart about this, Bill. Uh, And I know you do this with your radio stations. This is not short-term. Don't you have to look 5 to 10 to 20, 30 years down the road? And that's what these commissioners are having to do. Now, they're not going to share the plans with all that, but you know good well that, that, that that's a part of this and have sat for years Expansion is never dead. It's just dormant because we we don't know, Bill, what how the landscape could be changing. My Lord, in what five years, much less fifteen to twenty. Well, of course, and and the Texas Oklahoma story came out of the blue. No one in the world knew that that was going to happen before it actually did. I mean, it was like boom, it's it's happening right now. Brent Beard, mm-hmm. our guest, talking college football from First Coast News. But Brent, the FSU AD was very clear on their brand. I mean, he was, uh, I thought, in the comments that he made, was almost marketing himself and his brand to be attractive to to others, particularly Greg Sankey in the SEC. Um, It's just going to be interesting to see how, I mean, do they have the money to pay? What what, what do you do to, I'm being serious, what do you do to pay that? Do you go get? Do you go get a line of credit to be able to say, well, we're, we're going to be able to pay you because we're going to go to the SEC and have this much money every year? Well, uh, they don't have $120 million just to no. write to bl- go blow it off, do they? No, 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 I, I, I would doubt it. Uh, but they've probably got some kind of a plan uh, to, to, to be able to do that. And some of these exit fees, as you know, are negotiated down. Uh, but, Bill, wouldn't it, look, uh, if they could get out of the grant of rights, wouldn't that be well worth the money for them? Uh, now, it, it, Bill, even if it took ten years to to recover that money, uh, I, I would I would say if you if you pull that fan base right now, that they would tell you, let's go in a heartbeat, wouldn't they? Well, I, it just depends on the money. I mean, it always is going to just go right back to the money for sure. All right, uh, Brent, you mentioned that 
that obviously the practices are starting up today with Auburn and, and others this week as we get into March on Wednesday. What's the, the biggest three storylines that you're going to be watching out for? I mean, obviously we all know new coaches like Hugh yeah. Freeze is going to be very interesting, but what are the ones you're going to be really watching out for? Well, I think that uh, the quarterback battle with Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow in Alabama uh, I, I believe is going to be uh, uh, interesting. I mean, well, we, we've talked about Auburn. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, Bill, how – uh, I mean, Lord, with Freeze, that offense is going to be better, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, two, and then uh, another one, it would be uh, Florida, as we mentioned, starts soon. Uh, Bill, they've got to have some positive publicity, do they not? Uh, I mean, they've had uh, last week basically three coaches leaving in uh, a day and a half. Uh, so some of that's got to get better. Uh, Brent, do you know what their scholarship numbers at now? Is Florida is they have they regrouped to get up close to eighty five at least, or do they need another cycle after spring practice to get more in there? I, I, I certainly think they've got room to get some others. Uh, that's a great question. Frankly, I mean they had a decent, uh, a I'll put a pretty solid recruiting class, uh, as we know in May when the other. Uh, time goes around for uh, the uh, transfer uh, situation revving up again. Uh, I think they've got to get probably uh, another wide receiver that they can depend on. There are a lot of Gator fans that will tell you in a minute uh, that if they had a really good quarterback come open, that that would be a possibility. Just don't know how many of those guys are out there right now. Frankly, if they are, but but still, to me, the the thing they've got to rebuild. And you remember this last year; you saw them up close. Is Bill that defense has got to get better, doesn't it? Oh my God! Uh, oh. I mean, Amari Bernie's gone, Ventrell Miller's gone. Uh, that that's going to be to me is paramount is fi- is fixing the offense and the quarterback situation yeah. is to be able to stop somebody. Yeah. Oh, no question, no question about it. They've got a lot. They've got a lot to work on. Um, they do. Your, your buddies at 1010XL had me on a, a couple of Saturdays ago. I think they wanted to hang up on me. Because <laughs> that, that, I can't remember the young man's name. He was a big Florida guy. and, yeah, and Ron Compton. Ron, yeah. Yes, Ron Compton. Yeah. And he he, um, he, I, he didn't like my tone, let's just say it. He, <laughs> he, was, he was bothered by the tone because he, he was, uh, you know, they're just going through a – they're rebuilding. I mean, they're – yeah. still are yeah. you know I, I know yeah. it's not an overnight process but they are with when you lose that many players that many coaches you got a lot to do and they billy napier's got his work cut out for him there's no question about that well and in the state of florida uh it, they, they're not getting as much publicity as florida is because of the rashada situation at quarterback yeah it didn't work out but i can tell you bill Miami's is in as bad a shape or worse than Florida. Yeah, I know they they got it. Where, hey, where did that kid ever wind up? Where did he go? Uh, did he sign with someone? Arizona State. Russ says uh, Arizona yes. State. Is yeah, that what it, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I, I wow. had, I've got so many names rolling around my mind, but I know. yes. Uh, and and again, just to see where that look right now, that they're either going to Arizona State or Colorado, right? Yeah. Well, it, 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 it's a revolving door with these names. I, I can't 
I can't. I have to have it in front of me to remember everything because it's it's hard, very difficult. It used to be hard enough when you had to learn who was leaving really? and who was coming in. Now it's just a revolving door with player movement that never stops, and it's no, uh, no. it's crazy. And, and, and again, the big story coming up over the next month or two: Does the SEC go to nine, or do they stay at eight? Okay. Uh, and Sankey has made it clear that they would like to get that done, uh, possibly before uh, they have their meetings in Destin uh, at the end of May. Uh, but, but, Bill, they've got to get that done so they can get the schedule done. Well, but if they go to nine, if they go ahead and decide to go to nine and then they decide the format in Destin, is that what they would do, do you think? Or or, or would they go ahead and uh, – who's got to decide that? Is that his decision or is that a competition committee co- uh, decision or, or, I mean, or an AD decision? How would they do that? I think it's probably all the above. Uh, I, I, I think he wants them all. Now, obviously, they would be together – in Destin now, of course, we've got Zoom meetings now, yeah. and, you, and you can get a lot done by doing that. Uh, and, and a lot of this will, will be done, I think, by uh, closed doors. But 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 I still believe, Bill. They, I think that's something they're they're working on now. And you understand the TV end of it too, Bill. Uh, isn't TV uh, uh, whispering in their ear? Sure. Uh, that, you know, we'd like to have nine games, guys, because uh, well, we think that that would give us more inventory, uh, as, you've, as you've talked about for years, this cash for clunkers, that that would get rid of one of them, wouldn't it? Absolutely. No question about it. No doubt about it. All right, great stuff, Brent. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. First Coast News, Brent Beard, at Brett Beard on Twitter. We'll talk to you next week, Brent. Good. Thank you, brother. Take care. All right. We're going to take a break and come back. We will open up the phone lines at the top of the hour. Next, we'll look and see how they've written up some of these new rules for baseball. So sarcasm is probably coming back in the next segment. Sorry. Just old man, 52. What happened to Bill? He got all... I'd like that old man. What was that movie where the little kid was the old man? With Brad Pitt? Remember that movie? Benjamin Button? Yeah. Curious case of Benjamin Shanks. He's mad at baseball. Uh, All right, we'll talk about that. Then we'll open the phone lines right after this. A couple of things real quick. First of all, the Falcons have made some coaching changes. Secondary coach John Hoke. Defensive line coach Gary Emanuel and outside linebackers coach Ted Monachino, all original members of Arthur Smith's coaching staff, have not been retained. Hoke will be replaced by Steve Jackson, who was on the staff as a senior offensive assistant last season. Oh, good. Let's let him coach the secondary. And then Jackson will work with new assistant coach for defense Jerry Gray. Falcons, of course, named David Huxable, former Georgia Tech assistant coach is a senior defensive assistant, and Nick Perry was moved to assistant wide receivers coach from assistant defensive backs coach. Sean Flaherty was named assistant offensive line coach. Lanier Guthrie was named defensive front specialist after serving two years as a defensive analyst. Dave Ragone also coached the quarterbacks in 2023. Charles London, the quarterback coach last year, left for Tennessee, where he's named the quarterback coach and passing game coordinator. So there you go. Also, other moves include the Bill Wash Diversity Coaching Fellow Offensive Line, Mateo Combi, Offensive Assistant Patrick Kramer. How many coaches do they have in the NFL now? 
I thought there used to be like a limit. Yeah, I don't know. I think because you've got like two line coaches on either side now, right? All the positions. There's there's a lot. Yeah. So anyway, they've made a few coaches coaching changes there. Also, I saw this on Twitter, Russ, and I wanted to mention it because we talked about this kid a lot, talking about the Falcons, and this may be something to watch when they have the linemen, offensive linemen. PFF College has tweeted out that Peter Skoronsky's grade last season in passing attempts, pass blocking, 93.0, highest by any offensive lineman. That's why he must be getting a lot of love and getting into the top ten on some mock drafts. The young man from Northwestern, who is right there with Paris Johnson Jr. and Broderick Jones of Georgia as a potential first offensive lineman taken. But another thing to keep in mind, considering how the board may fall, that Skoronsky, dominant on pass pro, which is not the not the best attribute of Caleb McGarry's game. So, Russ, especially since this kid's kind of a swing guy, could they pull that off? Could they re-sign McGarry and bring him in in the eighth pick overall in the draft and have a very much improved offensive line? I think so because, you know, and, and Skaronsky's versatility makes him so attractive. And I think you've got some versatility with the guys on the Falcons line already. Uh, you know, you, guard jumps out. They need a guard. Well, I mean, if you draft Skaronsky, he's not necessarily the guard. You can move a tackle to guard, wherever the case may be. But because of his versatility, you can get the five best guys on the field. Yeah. Something to think about. When I saw that, I'm like, hmm, that's kind of tempting, especially with the knowledge that on pass attempts, you better be pr- protecting Desmond Ritter moving forward here. All right, Major League Baseball, new rules. Here is the – sound like Bill Meyer there. there the, these are the new rules for Major League Baseball. Let's go over them a little bit. Pitch timer. The length of games will be determined by innings, not minutes. But to create a crisper pace, there will be a 30-second timer between batters and then a shorter timer time limit between pitches. Pitchers will be required to begin their motion 15 seconds after receiving the ball with the bases empty or 20 seconds after receiving the ball with runners on base. If they don't, they'll be charged with an automatic ball. Pitchers will be also limited to two disengagements from the mound, i.e. pickoff attempts or step-offs, per plate appearance. All right, stop. How about when you step off the mound but don't throw? That's going to That counts too. Yeah. With a runner on first, the disengagement clock resets. The disengagements reset the clock. Batters, meanwhile, must be in the batter's box and alert to the pitcher by the eight-second mark on the clock, or else will be charged an automatic strike. That's what happened the other day. So this says now this is not the official language. This is a Q and A thing. Must be alert to the pitcher. Now that guy the other day, by eight seconds, was in the box and. I still don't get why they didn't call him – why they called him out. I mean, he was in the box. He, like, looked at the dirt. So, you got to be looking at the pitcher? It's stupid. That's just stupid. That's stupid. Just be in the box. Why does they have to be alert, well, alert to the pitcher? What I mean, hmm. shift restrictions. 
The defensive team must have a minimum of four players on the infield with at least two infielders completely on either side of second base. These restrictions are intended to increase the batting average on balls in play, BAPIP, and allow infielders to better showcase their athleticism with great great defensive plays. Question, all right? So if I don't – if I'm no longer able to put my third baseman in right field, short right field like they did for so many times here the last couple of years, can I bring my right fielder in and then move the – if we're talking about a really bad pull hitter from the left side, do I, do I bring my right fielder in like Ronald Acuna has got a good arm, put him where they used to put the third baseman, and then put the right the, the center fielder in like right center field and the left fielder in left center field? I can do that, right? Yeah. And just tell him to be Kelly Leak. Pretty much. I mean, I, I think that would probably be beneficial if you've got a guy who's that much of a pull hitter. Mm-hmm. Just bring your right fielder in, right? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if you if you don't feel like the the left-handed batter is going – like Freddie does do that now. He hits the ball left field, but Matt Olson doesn't really too much. So, if you're that confident the left-handed batter is going to hit it to right field, why wouldn't you just bring your right fielder in? Mm-hmm. That yeah, solves that. the problem, doesn't it? Yeah, you could do that. I mean, you're not going to have that third infielder uh, backed up by a guy in shallow right, so the it, you know the likelihood of a ground ball getting through is still there. But yeah, you could do that. Bigger bases, first, second, and third, have been expanded from 15 inches on each side to 18 inches on each side, while home plate remains unchanged. Well, thank God for that. Primary reason why the bases are bigger is for safety, giving fielders and runners more room to operate without colliding. But the slightly decreased distance between bases could help runners on stolen base attempts and bang-bang plays. New rules go into effect in spring training to uh, allow for an adjustment period between opening day. Now on opening day, umpires have been instructed to call, begin calling violations with no grace period. Will they also be enforced during the postseason? Yes. Will the new rules be used in the WBC? No. That makes sense. Major League Baseball consultant Theo Epstein said in an interview, we've been asking hundreds, thousands, and through surveys, tens of thousands of baseball fans and players and executives and scouts and everybody else. And you do see some common trends in what the best version of the game means to people. Bull crap. It's just ridiculous. I'm sorry. You didn't ask me, Theo, you Harvard bastard. I just don't get it. I'm sorry. I just, it's like, come on. In 2022, nine-inning minor league games used the pitch timer were on average 25 minutes shorter than 2021 games that did not have the pitch timer. Stolen base activity increased from 2.23 attempts to 2.81 attempts. All right, so now is the time to call me up and tell me I'm being an old man. Open up the phone lines, 478-646-ESPN. Do you like these Mickey Mouse rules for baseball are you going to start watching people skate around on hockey trying to get a puck into a net? <laughs> I'm making myself sound bad. Back with more sports talk here on the Bill Shank Show. <laughs> 